Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit folder with the traditional uh, worship songs, and let's turn to page 13 in the traditional worship song book, page 13, in the sweet by and by. In the sweet by and by is symbolic language for when we get to see Jesus, the future time, paradise, the new heavens, new earth, um, that we're going to be on the other side of the shore at that time, symbolically. Page 13. Yeah. 
Let's pray. Lord, wonderful, wonderful Father, in Jesus' name, happy fiesta, Father, happy fiesta of trumpets. Thank you, Father, for getting us through another month. Thank you, Father, that today is the first day of the seventh month and that today we're going to be able to understand better than ever before what this day represents. Thank you, Father, that you have given a message, a word, a revelation for us to hear today. Thank you, Father, for opportunity to grow in the truth and to learn, to grow in your knowledge and understanding. Thank you, Father, for our brothers and sisters Thank you, Father, for this congregation of called out ones. Thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We ask you, Father, to help us to listen and to understand, to receive and to retain and remember and to become deeply rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ, in the truth that we're going to receive today. We ask you, Father, to help brothers and sisters around the world to connect to this sermon, to, to be able to tune in, to listen live and also in the archives. Pray, Lord, that they also will receive the understanding of this word. We pray that your people be edified and increased. We ask, Lord, for your favor, blessing, mercy, grace, and protection upon Jonathan and Meekness and AJ, Nicholas and Kiki and Brittany and myself and anyone else that would listen to this broadcast, Father. May your word penetrate 
take deep root in us that we may bear forth good works, good good fruits and work and fruit for your kingdom, and that we may understand what time it is. Pray your will be done in all of this. Pray that you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, praise Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy fiesta of trumpets. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've got a shofar over here that I've had a few years. I'm not blowing it in quite a long time. These things are very hard to blow. But I'll give it a try here. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Happy Fiesta of Trumpets. Day of Shouting. That is another name for this day. The Day of Shouting. Praise the Lord. Remember that in, at the Battle of Jericho, they marched around blowing the trumpets. And on the seventh day of doing that, they blew the trumpets seven times. And then they shouted. The people shouted. And the shout of the people is what caused the walls of Jericho to fall. Not the trumpets, but the shout of the people. Our shouts causes Babylon to fall. Our shouting, our worship, our praise of the Lord Almighty is what shakes heaven and earth and makes the enemy fall. It is what defeats the enemy. Our shouts, our worship, our praise defeats the enemy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Amen. We're going to start in Revelation 6. This is a day of shouting, praise the Lord, and of blowing the trumpets. Revelation 6. Revelation 6, starting in verse 9 here in a minute. Give everybody time to get there. the record. This is October the 10th, 2018 A.D. in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But in God's calendar, it is the first day of the seventh month. Amen. First day of the seventh month. Praise the Lord. The fiesta of trumpets. Amen. Revelation 6, verse 9. And when the Lamb Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, broke the fifth seal. That's going to be the next seal that we are going to see. One through four has already been opened throughout history. One through four is already accomplished. Fifth seal is what we're going to see next. And I would like for you to write in your Alpha and Omega Bible, right above where it says fifth seal, right, right above that, uh, the words on param, on param, 
so that you would know when that is going to be opened. I'm not saying what year, but I'm saying on the holy day of parent of some year. Amen. That fifth seal will be opened. And I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had, talking about previously, the word had is past tense, been slain because of the word of the theos and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Amen. They had maintained, held on to. And they cried out with a loud voice, these souls did. These souls cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain or hold back from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each one of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little while longer, meaning go back to sleep. They had been waking up from their rest. We say the words rest in peace. We, we are, when we say rest in peace, R-I-P, we're saying we hope, that the, we hope that the dead will be able to sleep. We hope that the dead will be able to rest and sleep. But these people who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus throughout time, in this time when that fifth seal opens, at the strong delusion, at the time of the strong delusion, the abomination of desolation in the sky, in heaven, that is a tremendous and blasphemous event. It's a very blasphemous and troublesome event, and it wakes up the dead. They don't come out of the grave, but it wakes them up, the distress. God tells them they got to go back to rest, go back to sleep, rest a little while longer, but that the other saints will now be martyred. So the fifth seal includes the abomination of desolation, the strong delusion, which results in martyrdom. Because when the Muslims see their end-time Maldi, twelfth inman, they call him, or the Maldi they call him, when they see that, when they claim Assad as their leader, they're going to start murdering people across the world, much more than what the Muslims do right now. So it will be a time of martyrdom. And we go down to verse 12. And I looked, and he broke the sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the entire moon became like blood, meaning red in appearance. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs and shaken by a great wind. Now, what I've been saying is that the sixth seal will be opened on a day of Pentecost. So I encourage you. Well, it's right there. It's already written in the footnote right above verse 12. Notice the footnote right above verse 12. And in that footnote above verse 12, it says, Sixth seal probably opens on the day of Pentecost. But I would like for you to scratch out where it says probably because it is no longer a maybe or a possibility. This is going to happen. And the timeline is correct. The timeline is absolutely correct. And what I'm going to share with you later today 
a few minutes from now, God willing, is even more proof that the timeline is correct that we have been looking at for a year or two now. And we're going to add another holy day to that timeline. Another holy day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Which will help prove and confirm the entire timeline. Praise the Lord. So the sixth seal opens on the day of Pentecost. Now this is about a year or two into the tribulation. This is not all happening the same year. Okay? So, uh, and then verse 14, the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. places. Now, I would like for you to underline the first part or the first half of that verse, the part where it says the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. Underline that entire sentence there, that entire sentence. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up. Because I'm going to show you that same verse, that same sentence in another verse in the Old Testament. In fact, I would like for you to go ahead and write in at the end of verse 14 here that Bible reference. So you would have it there at the end of this verse for future reference throughout the tribulation, and it will be included in the February update of the paperbacks that come out in February. It will have that note in the paperbacks for this verse. But the Bible reference that you can write in there for now is Isaiah 34, verse 4. And we'll read that in a few minutes. But right now you can just write it in, Isaiah 34, verse 4. And verse 15 says, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and rich and the strong and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Amen. Now, as I've said many times before, and I've got to say it again, got to, is that there's a lot of people preaching that this is the actual beginning of the wrath and the return of Jesus Christ. A lot of people are saying Jesus comes right then, right there. A lot of people are saying the saints will call up immediately right there, that this is coming the Lord, the rapture, all this stuff. And I, as I've said over and over, this is only the sixth seal. We still have to go to the seventh seal after that. When you get to the seventh seal, you've got seven trumpets. You've got to go through all of that before we are caught up and before Jesus comes and before the 41 and a half day wrath, okay? And what this is is an announcement, okay? It is an announcement that the wrath is near, and getting closer, and the coming of the Lord is closer, and that the next thing to happen is the seventh seal, which is going to be tremendous, an increase in the punishment upon the earth. So it is an announcement, it is a warning, it is a forewarning. But what Jesus showed me 
in this past week or two is something more about this that I never knew before and never under, really understood before. And that is that there is actually two periods that are called wrath, two different time periods, two different time periods that is called wrath, okay? I've never heard that before in my life, but this is what God has shown me, and I can prove it very, very easily, okay? There is the first one and the second. Now, this is referring when it says the wrath has come, not only is it a forewarning, a forewarning of the last wrath, of the one that we've been talking about for years now, the one that's 41 and a half days, is a forewarning or announcement of that 41 and a half days. But that 41 and a half day wrath, which occurs while we are in heaven, that is the second wrath. That is the final wrath before Jesus comes. Okay? Now, that's what I've always said as far as it's pointing forward that last 41 and a half days. But now what Jesus has shown me is that there's also a first wrath. And the first wrath occurs over a time period of one year. One year. And that one year ends when the 41 and a half days begin. Okay, so you actually got all together between the two different graphs, you've got a year plus 41 and a half days. Okay? Now, I'm going to read you some verses that will prove this. Okay? Now, this verse we just read is one of them. Because not only is this pointing forward, forth, but it is also present tense. It doesn't say his wrath will come but his wrath has come, okay? So it's present tense, not future speaking, that it will be coming, but it's here. It has come, okay? But if you look at, remember, in your heart, remember in your mind, even flip a few few pages if you have to, that in Revelation 16, it talks about the final wrath that we've always known about, or this ministry has always or for a long time been teaching. And in Revelation 16, that wrath is full. That wrath is never poured out until we get to the seventh trumpet of the seventh seal. Okay? So that is the second wrath, which has not yet come here in Revelation chapter 6 yet. Okay? So there has to be two wraths. There has to be. Because this one comes in chapter 6, verse 17, and the other one comes in chapter 16, and they are separate. Okay? Now, when we take the context of verse 12 through 17, right here in chapter 6, we take the context from verse 12 to verse 17. All of this happens at the sixth seal. 
including the sun, the moon, the stars, the earthquake, and the announcement that a wrath has come. Now, there is a very important phrase in verse 17 that I would like for you to underline that's going to help you understand this. Verse 17 says, for the great day, the great day of their wrath has come. So I'd like for you to underline day or even great day would be fine. Because that's very, very important, very, very, very important. We're going to see that again somewhere else here in a few minutes. Okay? So give me time. I know right now it might be a little bit confusing, but it won't be confusing by the time we're finished with the sermon today. Let's go to Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1 in the book of Prophets. Prophets, volume number four, book of Joel. Page 162. Prophets, volume four, book of Joel, page 162, Joel one. In Joel chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, verse 1 through 6, Joel 1, verse 1, the word of Jesus which came to Joel, the son of Bathia. Hear these words, you elders, and hearken all you that inhabit the land. Have such things happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children concerning them, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Amen. The leavings of the caterpillar has the locust eaten, meaning whatever the caterpillar leaves behind, the locust eats. And the leavings or the remains or whatever is left behind of the locust has the palmer worm eaten. And the leaving behinds of the palmer worm has the cranker worm eaten. Awake, you alcoholics, from your wine and cry. Mourn, all you that drink wine to drunkenness. For glad and joyness are removed from your mouth. For a strong and innumerable nation is come up against my land. Their teeth are lion's teeth, and their back teeth those of a lion's with meaning a lion's cub. Go down to verse 13. Verse 13. Grid yourselves with sackcloth and lament or mourn or cry. You priests, mourn. You that serve at the altar, go in, sleep in sackcloth. You that minister to Theos for the meat offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your Theos. Sanctify a fast. Proclaim a solemn service. Now, that word solemn does not always mean sad or dull or boring, but rather it really means formal, a formal worship service. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of your theos and cry earnestly to Jesus. Alas, 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 for the day for the day, underlying day, and it says it two times. Remember, any time it says anything two or three times, 
Uh, and notice that the word alas is three times. So it's telling you twice here, pay attention, pay attention. Underline day and day. Remember day of wrath, the great day of wrath in Revelation 6. So the day of Jesus is near, and it will come as trouble upon trouble. Amen. Go down to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Sound the trumpet in Zion. Make a proclamation in my holy mountain. And let all the inhabitants of the land be confounded, confused. For the day of Jesus, underline day. The day of Jesus is near. Go down to verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. 10 through 12. Verse 10 through 12. Verse 10 says, Before them the earth should be confounded or confused, uh, confounded can also not only be mean confused, but also kind of dumbfounded. Kind of it's just like a, a, their mind is boggled. Okay, not only confused, but like it's stunning, a stunning event to them. They're kind of just dumbfounded. And the sky should be shaken, and the sun and the moon should be darkened, and the stars should withdraw their light. Now that's the sixth seal that we read about in Revelation 6. So it's referring to that same time frame of Revelation chapter 6, the sixth seal. The sun, the stars, the earthquake, all of this. In verse 11, Jesus shall utter his voice before his host, meaning his multitude, his congregation, his army, for his camp or his army, army camp, army troops, is very great. For the execution of his words is mighty for the day, underline, the day of Jesus is great, underline great, the day and great. Remember Revelation 6, verse 17 said, the great day of his wrath. For the day of Jesus is great, very glorious, and who will be able to resist it? Amen. Who will be able to resist it? Uh, Put a note beside that, because that's referring back to Revelation 6, verse 17. Revelation 6, verse 17 said about the great day of his wrath, who will be able to stand? That's what it said. Who will be able to stand? Revelation 6, 17 said, who will be able to stand? But here in Joel, it says, who will be able to resist it? It's, it's really saying the same thing in different words. Who's going to be able to survive? Who is going to be able to be left standing? And so forth. It's really saying the same thing. It's really quoting. It really is quoting this verse. Amen. Verse 12, now, therefore, say of Jesus, your theos, turn to me with all of your heart and with fasting and with crying and with lamentation. Amen. Verse, let's go down to verse uh, 15. Verse 15. Sound the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify the fast. Proclaim a solemn or a formal service. 
Gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Amen. And let's go on down to verse 28. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my ghost upon flesh and, or in large numbers, many flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And on my servants and on my handmaids in those days where I pour out my ghost, and I will show wonders in heaven and upon the earth, blood, fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great, underline great and glorious day of Jesus come. Underline that entire phrase, the great and glorious day of Jesus. Amen. So what we're seeing here is the book of Joel, is parallel with Revelation 6 about the sixth seal, the sun, the moon, and the stars. But it also says repeatedly about the day of Jesus, or another way of saying the day of the Lord, okay, in connection with this. And you have to see those heavenly signs in the sky first and then you see the day of the Lord. So it's important to have the right order. You see the heavenly signs, that is the sixth seal. After the sixth seal, you have the day of the Lord, which is actually the next seal. The seventh seal will be the day of the Lord or the day of Jesus. Okay? Notice in verse 31 where it says before. It says the sun and the moon darken and turn to blood before the great and glorious day of Jesus comes. So it's in that order. The sixth seal is the heavenly, heavenly signs, but the day of Jesus is what comes after that, which is going to be the seventh seal. The number after six is seven, okay? So it's very important to keep that in mind. Now let's go to Isaiah 34, and this will put all the puzzles, pieces of the puzzle together. This will make it clear. Isaiah 34. Page 24. Isaiah, chapter 34. Isaiah 34, verse 1. Draw near, you nations, and and hearken. Listen, he, you princes or leaders. Let the earth hear, and they that are in it, the world and the people that are therein. For the wrath of Jesus, underlying the wrath of Jesus, this is talking about the first and second wrath. But in one sense, is focusing more on the first wrath. And the first wrath is what we're going to call the day of the Lord or the day of Jesus, okay, the first wrath. So when it says wrath of Jesus here, it's referring, although to both, it is referring more to the first wrath. 
For the wrath of Jesus is upon all nations, and his anger upon the number of them, to destroy them and to give them up to slaughter. And their slain shall be cast forth, and their corpse and their odors shall come up, and the mountains shall be made wet with their blood. And all the powers of the heavens shall melt, and the sky shall be rolled up like a scroll. Underline that phrase, the sky should be rolled up like a scroll. And you can write right above that, or at the end of the verse, write Revelation 6.14. That is the same sentence that we underlined in Revelation 6.14. Revelation 6.14 was quoting this verse. And that's why I had you to put to write in the Bible reference. When we was in Revelation, you wrote down the reference for this verse here. So the sky should be rolled up like a scroll, referring to the event of the sixth seal. This is the sixth seal. The sky should be rolled up like a scroll, and all the stars should fall like leaves from a vine as leaves fall from the fig tree. This is what we read in Joel. This is what we read in Revelation. Verse 5, my sword has been made drunk in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edom, which is Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Egypt. It is the modern city of Babylon that they are building. Edom is Babylon. It shall come down upon them with judgment upon the people doomed to destruction. Verse 6, and the sword of Jesus is filled with blood. We read something about his sword and the blood, and I think in Joel. And the sword of Jesus filled with blood. It is gutted with fat, with the blood of goats and lambs, and with fat of goats and rams. Lambs and rams, and for Jesus has a sacrifice in Boshar, in a great slaughter in Edom, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. Now, notice how it's already underlined for you the names of these animals, goats, lambs, goats, and rams. Then when you get to verse 7, and the mighty ones shall follow them, and the rams and the bulls. And again, the bulls is underlined there. Because these are the four specific animals that were sacrificed every year only on the Day of Atonement. Only on the Day of Atonement were these all four animals sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. Now, remember that the second wrath, the 41 and a half days, begins on the Day of Atonement because we know we are called up at the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet of the seventh seal. That's the Day of Atonement that we are called up into heaven. And that's when the 41 and a half day wrath, the last wrath, starts being poured out upon the earth. And so if we remember that we are called up on the Day of Atonement, and that second wrath starts being poured out upon the earth on the Day of Atonement, and these are the animals that were sacrificed on that same Day of Atonement, then we recognize that in one sense, these verses are referring to the second wrath of 41 and a half days. However, the next verse will tell you that this occurs not just over 41 and a half days. 
but rather over a year, a year, which means there has to be another time frame, a second rest. Okay? So let's look at that verse, verse 8. For it is the day of judgment of Jesus. Underline that phrase, the day of judgment of Jesus. This is referring to the same day of the Lord, the day of Jesus, or the day of his wrath has come. These phrases where it keeps referring to a day, okay? And when it says the day, it's not talking about 24 hours, but rather this is prophetic symbolism for a year. Okay. And so the day of judgment, it says, is a year, the year of repay. The word atonement actually means repay. Okay? So it is a year of atonement. A year of atonement. A year of repay. A year of judgment in addition to the 41 and a half days, because 41 and a half days is in no way, no form, no shape, no symbolism for one day. 41 and a half days cannot be symbolized by one day. However, a year can. A year can and is symbolized by a day. A day equals a year. Sometimes a day equals a thousand years, but sometimes a day equals one year, but a day never equals 41 and a half days, ever, okay? So you have a one-year slaughter. These people are not sacrificed or slaughtered only in the 41 and a half days, but also over a time period of one year. And that one year ends on the Day of Atonement. Then you have the additional 41 and a half days of wrath. You got a total of, between the two wraths put together, you got a total of one year plus 41 and a half days. Only the first year is called the day. And then the other part is simply called the wrath. They're both called the wrath, but with different phrases. And it is the day or the year of repay of Zion or meaning for or on the behalf of Zion in judgment. Okay? Now, the fact is that it says that it is a year or the year is very important. Because, like I've been saying, we are caught up at the seventh trumpet. And that's the Day of Atonement. And that's the day that the second wrath starts. So all you've got to do now in order to define when that year begins is count one year backward from the Day of Atonement that we're caught up. And if you look at the timeline on the website, the prophetic timeline of the dates, where all those dates are on the timeline, and go one year before our catching up, one year before the Day of Atonement, you come out to, guess what, the Fiesta of Trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, is one year before we are called up, one year exactly. 
So this means very clearly, without any doubt at all, without any doubt, this means that the seventh seal will be opened on this date in God's calendar. The seventh seal will be opened on a future date of the Feast of Trumpets. That means the first trumpet will be blown on this date. The Feast of Trumpets represents, and I've always said this, that the Feast of Trumpets represents the blowing of the trumpets. Trumpets equals trumpets. This day is called trumpets because it represents the blowing of the end-time trumpets. So the symbolism is very clear and easy to understand. The only thing new that I'm saying is not only does this day symbolize the blowing of the trumpets, but it's actually going to start on this date in God's calendar. I'm not saying this date in Roman calendar, but rather God's calendar. That is what is new. And that is a huge revelation. And it confirms the entire timeline because it is one more holy day. That makes five now. Five holy days. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five holy days that fit perfectly, perfectly in an end-time prophetic timeline. And there is the perfect number of days, months, and years between each and every one of these days. And now you have this additional time frame of a year that also fits perfectly. Amen? So it confirms the timeline. And I'm no longer saying maybe, 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 maybe. This entire timeline is correct. It's going to happen. The only question and the only maybe is what year does it start? But once it starts, it is going to start on the date of Perun, Perun, which is a spring holiday. Now, sometimes it can occur in the winter because Perun does occur in the 12th month of God's calendar. So it can occur in the winter sometimes. But sometimes it occurs on the first day of spring, the first day of spring equinox, and sometimes even after spring equinox. So even though it's in the 12th month, Pern is in the 12th month, it could still occur in the spring. And that is amazing. And then 30 days after that, now that's going to be, remember, term is when the fifth seal was. That's when the strong delusion is, the abomination in the sky. 30 days after that, you got Passover. You got 30 days of sin. This fits perfect. On that last day, you got invasion of Israel on Passover or the first day of unleavened bread. Most likely, actually, the invasion would occur on the first day of unleavened bread. Possibly Passover the day before, but more likely the first day of unleavened bread. So there you've got two holy days, term, and then unleavened bread or Passover. 
Then you go a year or two and you come to Pentecost. That's the third holy day that is in this timeline. Pentecost will be the opening of the sixth seal. Then you go to Fiesta of Trumpets. Trumpets is the opening of the seventh seal, the beginning of the trumpets, the blowing of the first trumpet. And the seven trumpets will be blown over a time period of one year. As it says, is the year of we pay. So the seven trumpets takes one year for all seven trumpets to eventually blow. Then when that seventh trumpet blows, that's the Day of Atonement. You got Purim, Passover, Pentecost, Trumpets, and Day of Atonement. That's five holy days. And there's the perfect number of days, biblically required number of days, between each and every one of these time phrases. If even one of these is right, if even if any one of these is correct, any one of these, choose either five of these. And if, if any one of them is correct, they're all correct. All of them by default. Even if just one is correct, they are all correct by default automatically. The reason for that is because if you have even one correct, all you got to do is count the number of days before or after that date to come to the next event. And every event is the perfect number of days. So if you have one event on a holiday of God, then they will all be, they will all be on holy days automatically because of the perfection of the number. This is not coincidence. It is impossible for this to be coincidence, absolutely impossible for any of this to be coincidence. The timeline not only confirms and reveals to us what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, but also the need for us to keep the holy days because only by keeping the holy days can we know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and be ready and prepared for those events and also witness to people by telling them in advance what's going to happen and on what date. That's going to be a very powerful extremely powerful witnessing tool. Amen? We should be telling people about this now. Now. I have already updated last night. I updated the dates article. Even with a brand new timeline chart on the, on the page. So I would really like for you to read it again. And I would like for you to start at the very beginning of the article and read through it like if you've never read it before. Read it like if it's a brand new article so that you can find and see anything new in that article. Don't look for just one new sentence or one new paragraph. But look and reread the entire article 
in order to really get the full picture and to make sure you've not missed any of the updates that have been done over the past month or two so that you can make sure you've read everything about it. And again, I did add more onto it last night, uh, edit here and there throughout the article, as well as a new chart that will help you see the picture very, very clearly. The picture image will really help bring it together. This is so wonderful because the perfect order of the holy days. Not only are the seals in order, but also the holy days. The first holy day of the year is param, if it occurs in spring. Otherwise, it would be the last holy day of the year other than Hanukkah. But because parent occurs in spring sometimes, it's actually sometimes the first holy day of a new year. Then the next holy day you would come to is Passover and, and the days of unleavened bread, and that is the next seal. The next holy day you would come to during any year would be Pentecost, and then that's the next seal. And then the next holy day you would come to in any year would be trumpets. And that's the next seal. So not only are the seals in order, but even the holy days are in the same order of the end time events that they symbolize, which again confirms the accuracy and trueness of this timeline. This timeline was not invented by Pastor Tim. This timeline was invented by God. Amen? This timeline belongs to the Lord Jesus. It is his timeline, not mine. It's not my opinion. It's not my doctrine, my belief, my interpretation. It's not my research. It is thus say of the Lord. This timeline is not just maybe or possibility. This timeline is thus say of the Lord. These seals will be opened on the holy days. The fifth, the sixth, and the seventh will be opened on the holy days. We will be caught up on the Day of Atonement. There is no guessing to that now. It's not maybe, maybe, maybe anymore. This is now 100%. Everything on this timeline is now thus said the Lord. Amen. God is great. Amen. His name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. So I have also edited last night all of the following pages on the website. The page about the trumpets, the fiesta of trumpets. But the only thing I did on that page was just to say that the feast of trumpets symbolize the blowing of the seven of the seven trumpets, which that was already on there already, and I added on to that. Not only does it symbolize it, but it will actually be the date that the trumpets begin to blow. And that's the only thing I added was one more sentence and a link to the dates article on the Fiesta of Trumpets page. I also updated the, the Day of Atonement page. And we know that the Day of Atonement is coming up here in just nine days from now. And I did update that Day of Atonement page last night. So even though you might have already read it, 
in recent days in order to prepare for the Day of Atonement, which is coming up next week, I encourage you to read it again over the next few days, sometime before next week, sometime before we, before we actually come to the Day of Atonement next week, because I did update it as well. Um, I also did update the, uh, the prophetic list, the list of prophecies, uh, which the address to that page is isawthelightministries.com slash 2008.html. I'm going to send all of this in the newsletter notifications later on today. I'm away about three or four hours before I send this notification because most Americans are not yet up out of bed yet because on the West Coast, it's still about uh, 5 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast and only 8 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast right now. So a lot of Americans are still in bed. I'm going to wait till they get up out of bed and get their day started. Wait about three, four, five hours and maybe longer if I'm asleep. <laughs> and and because I, I don't think I got any sleep last night or not very much. So I may go back to bed, but sometime later today, I'm going to send out newsletter notifications to tell everybody about the pages that was updated. And then you'll see it. You'll see the list. Um, and you can go back and review these pages. Now, if you have any questions about this, please make sure you read these pages, these articles, look at the chart, uh, the newly newly edited chart, uh, read the dates article again, the Day of Atonement, the Feast, all these different things, articles. And if you still have any questions, please, please feel free to email me any questions you may have. And we'll also have our chat room tomorrow night, and you can ask, ask there as well. Uh, if you have any questions, maybe you might want to write them down on paper so you don't forget to address those questions with me in the chat room tomorrow night, or just go ahead and send them to me in email. Now, this is it for the sermon, but I would like to also, before we uh, close today, is I would like to also address the issue of Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael is now a Category 4 hurricane, and it is expected to stay a Category 4 hurricane as it gets closer and closer and as it uh, hits uh, the United States, the land of Florida, uh, sometime within the next 3, 4, 5, 6, 12 hours uh, as a Category 4. Now, this is going to be, they're saying this is going to be the strongest hurricane to ever hit that part of Florida in recorded history of since the time that they've been keeping track of hurricanes. The strongest hurricane to ever be recorded on record since they started keeping records of these hurricanes. That's tremendous and very important. 
And for this to happen on this date, on the fiesta of trumpets, I believe is also very significant and important. Remember that at the sixth seal, we've not read this part very much, but at the sixth seal, there's something else that happens. And that is that the angels go around sealing the 144,000. And they are told to hold back the wind and to not let uh, anybody be hurt or killed or anything until the 144,000 are sealed. Okay? Now, that's going to happen at the sixth seal. That's what's going to happen years from now in the future at the sixth seal. But if, if the angels are being told to hold back the wind, to not hurt the trees, and to not hurt the grass, and not hurt the people, until the 144,000 are sealed, and then they are sealed, that's accomplished, and then the seventh seal opens on this date in God's calendar. When that seventh seal opens, that first trumpet blows, on this date, then the winds will be released. The wind will be released to hurt the trees, the grass, the people. And guess what's happening today? Is the wind is being released. This hurricane has kind of been like held back until today. And today is being released upon the earth, upon the land of America as the most powerful hurricane to hit northern Florida in recorded history. This is very significant. I believe it is symbolic of the opening of the seventh seal. And, of course, the name Michael, that has got to be God. That has got to be Jesus, not a coincidence. I have been saying for years that the hurricanes and the storms are symbolic for the son of perdition, what they call the Antichrist. The Bible does call Assad a storm more than one place. It calls him a storm. And as this storm is the most powerful storm to hit Florida, it is symbolic of end-time prophecy of the Assyrian invasion of America. And not only about armies and invasion, but also the strong delusion itself, the abomination of desolation in the sky, as this is a heavenly event. This is an event of a hurricane, of a storm, of lightning and thunder in the sky, of wind and storm and flooding, this is a heavenly event. And then there is the tropical storm, Nadine, out in the Atlantic Ocean right now at the same time. Now, even though they're, going to, they're saying that tropical storm Nadine won't last very long, that it won't be a hurricane or that it won't hit land or something along that line, at the very least, that it will not hit America, that it's not going to do any destruction. It's just going to stay out in the ocean and then eventually go away while in the ocean. 
And most people would say, well, because it's never going to hit land, Nadine doesn't have any important symbolism or anything important about it at all since it's not going to hurt anyone. But they don't know what I know. Amen. About this name. Because it wasn't that long ago, a little bit over a month ago, that I sat down with Michael and watched a movie with him to teach him things about the end time. And in that movie, there's a woman named Nadine. And Nadine was used by the devil. And Nadine betrayed God's people. And she planted herself in the congregation of God's people and pretended uh, for a time and a season to be on their side and betrayed the people, even as Michael did. And, of course, I shared in an email recently with one of our sisters that we watched a movie a few days ago uh, where there was a young, dark-skinned, uh, skinny guy in the movie that for almost all of the movie, he seemed like a good guy. That at the very end of the movie, it was revealed he portrayed the people and even threw his Bible away. At the end of the movie, he left Jesus, he forsook Jesus, and even threw his Bible away. But yet, at the very beginning of the movie, as soon as I seen this man, I knew he represented Michael, even though that wasn't his name in the movie. He looked a lot like Michael, very young, very immature, acted like him, liked at him and very much reminded me of him, both in characteristics and in his looks. And at the end, during the whole movie, He's acting like a church member, a follower of Jesus, a true follower. And then at the very end, left Jesus, threw his Bible away, and was revealed as a, a traitor. Amen. And it's very significant. And some people may think I'm obsessing. Some people may think that I'm obsessing about my but it is not me that names the storms. It's God. Amen. It is, it is not me that chooses when to uh, name a storm or for a hurricane to hit America. This is God bringing it back up. This ain't me bringing it back up. This is God bringing it back up. And for as long as God wants to continue to reveal and to confirm I will keep talking about it. For as long as God continues to bring it back up, I will continue to bring it back up. God wants us to learn more from this experience. Not just be careful. Not just don't trust people. Because that's not the message. Don't trust people. That's not the message. The message is that rather we trust or don't trust, no matter what we do, there is going to be spies. We cannot help it. It don't matter how careful we are, how untrusting we are, how careful, how paranoid we are. It doesn't matter. 
there is still going to be spies, and there are still going to be people to betray Jesus and fall away. It's going to happen, and it will continue to happen all throughout the tribulation because the people are wicked and the time is wicked, and we are in the end times, and these things are going to happen. And God wants us to know that and understand that and comprehend that. And not only that, but God is in control of the storms and that he can see the end from the beginning. That God even named this storm before the hurricane season even started. They don't name the storms as they come, but rather they name the storms even before the season starts. And it's not really man naming it, but God, because God is in control. And God chose not only to name the storm Michael, but the next one, Nadine. And for Nadine to exist at the same moment in time as Michael, because you could have had Michael to come and go and completely fade away before Nadine comes, but that's not the way it was. They're existing at the same time. So for Nadine and Michael to exist at the same period of time is significant, and especially with the strength of Michael. And I hope that Michael sees both storms, and I hope that he will realize the significance of both storms, of a storm, of a Assyrian storm, a Assyrian storm. This is a, this is a Assyrian storm because of the strength of it, the fierceness of it. It is a Assyrian storm that represents not only war and invasion, but betrayal. This storm represents deception, betrayal. It represents foolishness being gullible and falling for demonic snares. That is what this storm represents. Strong delusion in the sky. False Christ, false messiahs, and Assyrian cults. Why name cults? All these things. This storm is full and overflowing with significance and symbolism. And I do pray for Michael to repent and return back to Jesus Christ. But I will never, never accept him back. I will not do it. I said I would. But I believe that God has changed my mind. He can turn back to Jesus. He can even come here and talk to me about what to do, about what he needs to do for Jesus to get back on back in the rightness and holiness, that's fine. But as far as embracing him as part of this ministry, part of this work, or as a brother, or as a friend, no, that is never going to happen. Because God has revealed him as an animal, no better than a snake or spider. And that he is totally antichrist. Totally antichrist. And is extremely dangerous to this work and to this congregation. He is Judas. 
and I will not allow this work, this ministry, or this congregation to be endangered by such an evil monster as Michael is. But I still pray that he will repent and return to Jesus. And that's not impossible. But it is unlikely in this lifetime. But I reach out my hand of help, even to my enemy, as Jesus himself said to do. And even Jesus said that his arm and his hand is stretched out all day long. If somebody would just reach back and reach for his hand, and my hand of help, God would help, and I would help. But as far as trusting, I will not do to that monster. Amen. And we're coming up to Day of Atonement. And I want to make for sure that everybody understands that next week on the Day of Atonement, that you are to totally fast from all food of every kind. Do not do any kind of fruit juice or vegetable juice. Do not do those things. Do not take any vitamins to give you strength for energy. The only thing you can do is only water and your normal daily medicine. This is for 24 hours, from sunset until sunset at that time. If anybody has any questions about any of this, feel free, please feel free to contact me. I hope that the rest of your evening or the rest of your day will be restful and enjoyable on this great and wonderful fiesta of trumpets. Amen. Thank you for listening, and I do hope that you have been edified, increased, and understanding all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.